eventually you're going to need to develop expertise. Like people won't just work with somebody who is hardworking and is likable if they can't deliver. Listen, everybody, we all know that real estate is the most proven way to build wealth. But why isn't everyone wealthy from real estate then? It's hard to know where to start. And most of the education out there is just complete trash. And you end up investing your money on a series of courses instead of in real estate. That's not how this podcast works. We give you the blueprint to successful real estate investing and bring on guests actually willing to share their secrets. I started my real estate investing journey as a freshman in college when I bought my first duplex and have been in the trenches doing deals ever since. And today, I now own hundreds of millions of dollars of investment property. On this podcast, you will learn what you actually need to know to be a successful active or passive real estate investor. And we'll offer our takes on what's happening today so you can navigate this market and build wealth. I'm Drew Brenneman, and this is the Brenneman Blueprint. All right. Welcome back to another episode of the Brenneman Blueprint. Today's episode, just going to hop right into it and get to a, a really common listener question that I get. And just remember, uh, send me your listener questions. Or send me a direct message on LinkedIn, Twitter, just wherever. Um, or give me an email, podcast at brenneman.com, where we'll, we'll keep our eye on that for, for listener questions, things you want me to answer. I guess but one of the most common uh, th- questions I get asked is what skills do you need to succeed in real estate? Um, so got plenty of thoughts on that. Um, I guess before I dive in, don't forget if you like what you hear, what you see, don't forget to share this with your, with your friends, with people who you think would benefit from, uh, here in this episode or just whatever we're, we're talking about people who want to get into real estate, uh, or just learn more about it. Um, so with that out of the way, uh, skills for real estate. I, I don't think it's really that different, I guess, kind of starting out um, than really probably any other business. You know, I think really you need three things like number one, drive or ambition. Uh, number two, being likable. And three, you need some sort of expertise. So I guess kind of dive into that a little. Um, like number one, and I was fortunate enough to be blessed with this plenty, uh, to have a lot of drive. So I don't have any issue with motivation and everyone in high school, uh, you know, they always thought I was ambitious and that's been like a real, uh, blessing for me, you know, where some people, they might be from like a, a super wealthy family or something. And I got blessed with like a wealth of, uh, ambition, I guess. So like that I think is a, something that if you don't have, you're going to need to figure out a way to cultivate how to get motivated, figure out some way to, um, to be able to push yourself. Cause it's not easy. Uh, real estate investing is not easy. No business is, is easy. Um, and without working hard or being motivated, you're not going to get anywhere. So I think if you're, if you're, if you're struggling with that, um, you know, I think consider partnering or have somebody, a mentor, a coach, somebody who will push you, uh, hold you accountable where, um, uh, that's really probably my only thought on how to improve that. That's not something I've had to spend much time on. Um, but do know, I see others that maybe they have the other things like they have this, the expertise or some of the skills needed to do well in real estate, but they're not, uh, they're not motivated enough. And then that's, that's a big piece of success too, is putting in the work. So one of my things that I like to do, I like to think is almost like a strategy of mine is, is working ahead. 
Um, and that goes with like being motivated in the hard work piece. Um, like if we're going to send out a contract, uh, for anything, I want to be the one drafting it, not myself, but like our attorney would draft it. And then I want to be reviewing it ahead of time. Uh, and a lot of times these are tight deadlines. So pretty often maybe we'll be turning the contract and you could just kind of lollygag through it and, you know, barely read what your attorney's putting together or have the other side, the, the buyer seller, whatever is your counterparty, put it together and just kind of sit back. I don't do that. I always try to be proactive, read the contract, make sure what I want is in it from the get go. Uh, and then it's served me well, uh, from there. Cause now I have all the terms, everything I want in the contract. Uh, whereas if, if someone else is putting it together, then anything I want is like a special request or something I'm asking for later. Um, so that's always, and I do that with anything, not just a contract, but I like to think about working ahead and how I do that is working nights and weekends. So, you know, really my whole career, I mean, I've worked pretty often. I mean, every day for some amount of time, um, you know, we're one year, um, uh, and I don't know if I should be proud of this, but like in 2019, I don't think I took any days off until, um, until like September, and that was like for the whole year, like from this, including July 4th, just where I just had worked every day. It was a busy year. Actually, my partner had uh, passed away, um, business partner, and we were just, there's a lot to get done. And we are selling the deal and buying two more. And there wasn't, uh, this is time to work hard. Um, and so that that's not the only time something like that's happened from a workload, but, um, you know, was able to rise to the occasion, so to speak, because of the, um, having the motivation and already being a hard worker. Um, number two, I guess on that list of mine there of the three things is, you know, being likable. Um, you know, people want to do business with people they like, people they like to talk to all the real estate brokers that, uh, I'd say that I see sort of at the top of the game, um, on the multifamily investment sales side, they're all extremely likable. Uh, they're fun to be around. They're they're fun to talk to. Uh, you see your phone ring, and usually, and you generally want to answer the phone. Um, and that's that's been a big part of why they've had a lot of success. And actually, like one of my better tweets uh, that I that I put out. Um, if if you want to follow me at Drew Brenneman uh, on Twitter, was um, let me just I'll, I'll I'll read it here. Underrated skill in business. Actually, the tweet just said underrated skill in business, being likable, gets lost with all the focus on credentials and other things. People want to do business with or talk to others that they actually like, be likable. So, um, you know, that that's something that I, uh, I really have seen with the brokers where maybe if you might not know the, um, sales comps like a computer would or it's like as well as maybe some other brokers i mean you would need to you need to eventually develop the expertise and the skills but you are uh way way better off being likable um you know so people want to whether it's a, you're trying to get investors or partners or people to work with like they want to spend time with people that they enjoy working with so that's something to um you know figure out how to be fun, be likable. Um, that's compared to the motivation one. That's something I'm, I don't know if I'm as good at. Um, you know, I'm more like real down to business. So I do try to, um, and not like big on chit chat. So I do try to, uh, take a pause and, you know, broker calls me, um, or a coworker wants to talk about, um, 
something my natural instinct is just like dive right in um and, and talk about work but i think um you know like it is important to build rapport and do all the chit chat type stuff and and really mean it you know there's it's pretty obvious if you're talking to someone you're telling them about your weekend or what you did with your girlfriend or boyfriend or your kid or whatever and they're they're barely listening and they're just going uh-huh like and they're not really there on the other end so don't don't do that either like any sort of like sales training if anyone's had any like step one in like a sales process is build rapport and it's really no different in any relationship where you want if you want to be likable you're going to need to get them to, to get to know them on like some sort of personal level so um that kind of also any sort of you know networking or going out to dinner or lunch or any of those things are really important um you know 80 percent of the deals i bought have been off market and like a big part of that is knowing these like having deep relationships with brokers most of those deals were from brokers or direct to sellers that like i have like a relationship with the kind of thing where they'd come to my kid's birthday party or if i'd have uh party i'm inviting them like where um we're like we're actually friends and like spending time with each other and that um uh like not only that's been a good way to have uh friends that you have a lot in common with but also uh great for deal flow as well so um and then uh, and then eventually you're going to need to develop expertise like people won't just work with somebody who is hardworking and is likable if they can't deliver so um but first i would say focus on those other two where if you're um you're not put, willing to put in the work you're never going to develop the expertise or if you're not uh pleasant to talk with or be around it doesn't matter either so um expertise what do i mean by that you know let's say you're a real estate broker well, you're going to need to know what all the comps are. If you go to somebody's house or rental property and you're not familiar with the other properties that sold nearby or that would be similar, you, you don't have the, the knowledge or the data to be a successful broker. Someone else will come through. They'll know, hey, this building sold just like this. This is what it sold for per foot. This was the per unit. This was the cap rate. Who, this is who sold it. This is who bought it. I talked to them. Like you're going to need to eventually, you're going to need to have all that. If you're a real estate investor, you're going to need to uh, learn how to value the buildings. You're going to need to learn how to do some level of underwriting, some level of property management, learn how to run the deals, know what to do, how to, you know, if you have investors and partners, get the tax returns done, make distributions, uh, keep your LLC in good standing, a million things you're going to need to develop expertise on. To develop expertise, I would definitely recommend you develop it by doing so it's fine to go to conferences, read books, listen to podcasts, whatever, but you don't want to overeducate yourself. Don't just turn into someone who just goes to conference after conference after conference or has read a hundred books on real estate investing, but never bought a property. So I'd recommend you develop your expertise while you're actually doing, or just develop your expertise from your actual experience. So um, I, that's basically what I did where I did, read some books uh, along the way, but really what all my sort of expertise has been developed over the last 20 years of real estate investing. So I read, a, you know, about how to value properties and how to do property management, uh, read, you know, a couple books, but then I just got going and I learned way more about how to actually value deals when there was real money on the line or property management, when there's a real tenant to talk to versus just reading a book, uh, and all this hypothetical stuff. So I know, I mean, 
taking classes or mentors or coaching, you can learn from them. And I don't think it's a waste of time, but it's only, it's going to be a waste of time if you don't ever put it into action or if you do just one after another, you have two, three mentors that you're paying to be in uh, some sort of mentorship. So um, would definitely recommend you develop the expertise by actually doing. Um, Let's see what else. And then I think from there, so those are like the big three to any business, but especially real estate. And then what are like skills or traits that could make you uh, do better in real estate? You know, I'd say it's, I mean, real estate is pretty simple. So like number one, actually answer your phone. You know, real estate's a 24-7 business, especially if you're in property management or brokerage um, or on the investment side and you have investors and people to answer to where people want to work with others who are actually available, answering their phone and working. So number one, answer your phone. If a broker's got a really good deal and they're trying to get a hold of you and you miss it, I mean, that's not, you're not doing yourself any favors, um, missing up, missing out on a, on a hot deal. Same thing, be responsive. Uh, that's another one where people email and then if, you, if you're the kind of person where it takes two, three days to respond to it, they don't like that. That's hard to work with as well. So be responsive. Uh, you'd be surprised just doing those two things, how much that sets you apart. Um, still to this day, I don't know what half the people I'm interacting with are doing. Like their responsiveness is so slow. It's confusing to me, um, I guess, or maybe they're more... Um, spread too thinly or something. Um, and then as you start getting uh, going with your, let's say, real estate investment career uh, or brokerage or whatever it is, and if you're on the investment side, you're going to have to learn how buildings are valued. Basics on how to underwrite them, ideally more than basics. But really, if you don't have a good understanding of how these things are valued, how they make money, how the investment returns are generated, uh, what sort of if this happens with the deal, then what happens with the value or the income or, um, okay, we made this assumption. What is that impacting? You really are going to need to develop a strong expertise in how these deals are underwritten and how they, uh, what changes in different inputs are going to do to the deal. So it's pretty common where, you know, something will change like where it's like, all right, let's tweak this a little bit. And then I'm, I've seen so many deals, so many underwritings that I already more or less know what's going to happen um, to the cash on cash, to the IRR, whatever, to the sale price when we make that tweak or uh, to the loan proceeds or whatever we're, we're underwriting or estimating. Um, so it's fine to start out where you just kind of have the basics or maybe you're not great at Excel uh, if you're underwriting bigger deals, but you're going to eventually need to get really good at that. Um, and it's something that I don't think it's, if you're trying to be great at investing in real estate, um, or a great broker, it's not something you can just outsource. You know, you're not, um, it's, you need to have the understanding. You can't just rely on your analyst or somebody cause you're going to need to, um, make hard decisions at times. Or if, if you're on the investment side or if you're a broker, uh, a potential client's going to ask you a question and you can't say like, I don't know, I need to talk to my analyst and see what that does. You're going to need to know on the spot. Um, what else on the rest of these, I'll just uh, talk about um, sort of from my position being on the investment side, like what uh, the other, other skills, let's say, or traits, uh, uh, being able to reject deals that are sent to you, but do it in a way where you still, um, let the broker know that you're interested. Um, it's, you got to walk a fine line where you got to learn how to reject deals where 
the broker doesn't feel like they wasted their time sending it to you and that you're not a tire kicker. So what I mean by that is like, uh, the worst thing you can do with a broker is just tell them like maybe, or I don't know for a long time, then they're spinning their wheels, wasting all this time on you essentially to like, try to help you figure out if you want to buy this deal or not. If you try to get to a quick yes or no, uh, for your sake and their sake, uh, so you're not all wasting time on something. Uh, but if the answer is no, you need to tell them why it's no and convey this is this is what I like, this is what I didn't like, and uh, I'm I'm not a tire kicker or like I'm I'm serious. And then uh, that way the broker will know what you want, what you don't want. Uh, but here's the thing: when they send you the deal that you, uh, it's checking off all the things you said. I want this. I don't want that. I want this. And then they're giving you what you want. Uh, now you need to be a closer. So that's another big skill trait, whatever you want to call it. You need to be a closer in this business. Uh, if you get sent a deal, that's what you want. You need to buy it. Uh, if if you're under contract to buy a deal, and there's a there's a you know small or even whatever medium size issues with the property, like all properties have issues. Uh, not every deal you buy. The leases are going to be perfect, uh, you know, buy an apartment building. Maybe they don't have all the leases for the parking spots or a couple units. The rents were off by a little bit of money. Um, if you're buying a two unit and two leases are off, sure, that's a bigger deal. But if you're buying a 30 unit and a couple leases are, uh, you know, they were wrong by 20 bucks or something, uh, you, you can't go read trading. Uh, so trying to get a purchase price adjustment or credit on every little thing. Uh, you do a physical inspection, there's going to be issues with the property. Experienced buyers already know that there's going to be an issue with the property. Uh, you know, nothing, you, you know, catastrophic, but let's say I'm, if I'm buying like a $5 million deal, I'm already assuming there's 50,000 at least of work to do at the property. Even if it's supposed to be like a done property that doesn't need renovation, I'm, I'm assuming it needs that because I've, just done enough of them and know, I know it's going to need at least that amount of work um, just with catch up to kind of repairs, deferred maintenance, things about to break, furnaces, water heaters that are on their last leg, uh, things that are leaking, like that's just going to come up. So if I'm looking at that deal and I walk it and I see all the furnaces, um, I try to get this on the initial walkthrough. So maybe that's another tip too, um, is, is you don't, uh, try to assess the physical condition as best you can on that initial walkthrough and have that in your actual underwriting. So if you see all the furnaces, all the water heaters are super old, underwrite replacing those. So then if the deal should work that way, where you're, where you're starting off with new, uh, if they're new water heaters, furnaces in that deal where they're all super old, cause you're just, you're gonna, you're not going to build a good reputation if you're going to then, walk that deal, get it under contract and then say, Oh wow, I didn't know any of these things were this old. And then I need a credit for a hundred thousand dollars to replace them all. I mean, everyone's going to be annoyed with you. They were like that when you walk through and it's like, is this your first deal? Like you didn't notice what was there. It's not a new building. You shouldn't have been expecting all new, uh, furnaces and water heaters in this example. Um, so that's, that's a big one. Like I said, 80% of the deals that I bought have been off market but mostly through brokers uh, where they didn't bring it to market. There's just sent to maybe directly me and a few other folks. Uh, and that's because I got the reputation of a closer built. 
where I'm not retrading people. And when I get stuff under contract, we don't have trouble raising the debt or equity and we get them closed. Uh, the next thing to focus on uh, in terms of like a traits or skills you can develop, I'd say it would be specializing. So the more focused you are on a specific real estate sector or geography, the better you're going to get at it. And then also the more people uh, know you for that. So if you do if you just do every type of uh, real estate investment across the country, you're not really known for anything. Brokers don't know what deals to send you. But if you just, let's say, do only self-storage investing in Austin, Texas, like you'll be known for that. When people want to invest in that, they'll think of you. The brokers that sell those kind of properties know that's the only thing you work on and you'll be top of mind and you're going to get better at it. So that's been a big, the people that I see that are really successful in real estate and really probably in all business, they've specialized. So keep that in mind. Um, and then lastly, I think, um, well, I guess, uh, the last thing, and this is something that I've developed more recently is understanding the risks and downside in each deal. Like where in this deal can you get smoked? Basically, you know, when I, when I was younger, it was like all upside, you know, like, oh, I'll buy this and it's just going to go to the moon. And I've, I've had enough sort of bad things happen over the years. Um, and actually, when I was younger, I heard Sam Zell talk and he said they spend basically all their time looking at the downside and the risks of the deal. And when I was like 22 or whatever, when I heard this, I didn't even know what he was talking about almost um, where it's like, OK, yeah, I get it. The risk. But also that's like your downside case. What about your upside case? But it's, it's different than that. It's like you underwrote the deal. It's not the best case scenario what you underwrote. You know, you call it like your base case, but it's, it's, uh, it's your base case, but it's a little bit closer to like a better case scenario, if you will. Like this isn't uh, shit hits the fan, everything's going wrong, where can I really get smoked underwriting? And I'd encourage everyone to think of that, where... You look at a deal and you go, okay, this all makes sense. I'm buying, let's say, here's an example. You're buying a deal. Uh, it's not leased out yet. Let's say you're buying a three unit building. It's brand new construction, but the builder hasn't rented out any units. That whole deal, in my opinion, it hinges on two things, depending on where you are. It could be one, but maybe two. Number one, your starting rents. If you get your starting rents right, you have your deal underwritten perfectly let's say and the success of that deal is gonna this hinges on if you estimated the starting rents right if you if you overestimated you're gonna underperform basically forever and if you underestimated you're, you're probably not gonna win the deal you're gonna offer too little and then like i said on two things depending on where you are property taxes might be another big thing where it's a new building they haven't gotten set yet uh, and the first property tax bill starting out that like the rents and become sort of the number you grow off of for the rest of time. Uh, the whole deal basically hinges on that. And a lot of people, when you're new, you'll be spending all this time, like you'll get those starting rents figured out pretty quick. And then you spend all this time trying to get the utilities calculated right or, um, you know, figuring out should the insurance be $275 a unit or 300 when that stuff barely matters in comparison to where your rents and property taxes start out. So really understanding, I guess, the risks, the downside, and also just the drivers of the deal, like what's really, um, 
what's really going to make this deal a success uh, versus what's just kind of noise that uh, is way less important. So uh, that's all I got for today. Hope you hope you all enjoyed it. Um, if you got other questions you want me to answer, things to tackle here, send them over podcast at brenneman.com. Be happy to answer them. Uh, it's been fun doing some of these listener questions. Um, just a quicker episode, some just get to one topic and get moving. So appreciate you all being on and we'll see you on the next episode. If you learned something from today's show, leave a review and hit that subscribe button wherever you enjoy your podcast. Dive deeper into real estate investing on Brenneman Capital's website, brenneman.com, where we have numerous free resources and information that can help both active and passive real estate investors. Accredited investors can get started today as a passive investor in our multifamily investment opportunities by hitting the Invest Now button on our website. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of Drew Brenneman and guests as of the date of recording and do not purport to reflect the views or opinions of Brenneman Capital LLC and its subsidiaries. Views and opinions are provided for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon or deemed as investment or tax advice or an offer to buy or sell securities. The speaker cannot be held responsible for any direct or incidental loss incurred by applying any of the information offered.